welcoming everybody today, and uh, very lovely to, to see you all. Um, many familiar faces, and uh, uh, obviously also many many new ones. Um, uh, I like to always begin these days with a, a short period of our traditional chanting, and since the uh, the theme of the day is about uh, compassion and uh, com- compassion in action, uh, I thought it'd be suitable to recite some of the verses on the, uh, what are called the Brahma-viharas, or the sublime abidings, these four qualities of loving-kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, that's happiness at the good fortune of others, and uh, equanimity. So uh, we'll do this in Pali first, and then we'll do the English version after. So those of you like the mystery can have the first bit, and those of you like the meaning can have the second bit. So. <laughs> Andamayang chaturapamanya obasanang karomase meta sahagatena chetasa ekang disa paritava viarati tata dutiang tata tatiang tata chatutang itio namado diriang sa bati lokang meta sahangate nache tasa vipole namahagate na hapamane na awe re na hambaya paje na paritava viharati karuna sahangate nache tasa he kang disang paritava viharati tata dutiang tata tatiang tata jatutang itio dhammado tiriyang sabati samba tataya sabawandang lokang karuna sahangate nache tasa vipole namahagate na a Pamane na hawere na ambaya paje na baritava viharati mudita sahangate na che tasahe kang disang baritava viharati tata dutiang tata tatiang tata chatutang itio dhammado diriang sabati samba tataya sabawandang lo Mudita sahangate na chetasa vipole na mahagate na apamane na awe re na hambaya paje na paritava viharati upeka sahangate na chetasa he kang disang paritava viharati tata dutiyang tata tatiyang tata chatutang itiyo dhammado tiriyang 
Welcome once again to everyone. Um, 
when we uh, I chose the theme for this day long, um, uh, Marianne uh, likes to plug uh, plug us well uh, well in advance to get um, themes and titles for these events. So I think it was about uh, October or November last year that uh, that I came up with the, the themes for the first couple of daylongs this this year, and um, so. Uh, this seemed to be a, a good theme to, to be speaking about uh, compassion in action and um, the uh, uh, working consciously with the experience of, of suffering of, uh, of ourselves and others. Um, so I didn't realize at the time that I chose the theme that actually there was um, going to be a, a sense of loss on my own side of uh, leaving California and that, uh, that it was in December. Uh, when I was in Thailand with Ajahn, uh, with uh, some community meetings there, Ajahn Sumedho asked me if I would be prepared to to leave Abhayagiri Monastery and go to England and take up uh, the role of abbot at uh, Amravati, where he's been leading the community for the last 25 years. And uh, uh, prior to that, he's been leading uh, uh, communities for uh, more than 15 years in other monasteries. So um, I was very happy to, to help him and to support him in his attempts to retire. <laughs> so he, he would really like to, to spend, the, he's 75 now, and he'd really like to spend the, the rest of his years not having to run communities, but to be more of a freelance uh, wandering monk and, uh, and teacher. So I was very happy to support that, but also I had no particular intention or wish to, to leave uh, Abhayagiri Monastery. So there's a... a when people ask me, how do I feel? Um, sometimes well, many, many lay friends have said, oh, congratulations on the promotion. <laughs> and I kind of think, hmm, um, well, thank you, thank you. But then my monastic friends go, oh, oh really? You're going to, ooh, well, sadhu, you know, with glad it's not me written in sort of 72-point type underneath, you know. So... Uh, because they, they know what goes along with the... Uh, you get the big cushion to lean against, but you, you get a, a lot of other um, responsibilities uh, in, involved in the mix. So, um, uh, the, um, in a way, it's a, a good theme to be, um, to be exploring that sense of, of uh, working with, um, with uh, painful conditions in ourselves or in others um, and seeing how they, they mingle, because often life is, is not just one uh, single shade of pleasure or one single shade of, of pain. But we, uh, in many instances, it's mixed feelings that we're experiencing. There's, uh, because uh, sometimes what we think of as a difficult condition or something that we wouldn't have chosen actually brings incredible riches with it. And so this is a, a theme I'll probably be looking at during the day. Also, the, the title for the day is a little bit esoteric. Um, and... Uh, uh, as I think I mentioned in the little bit of, uh, of, uh, of blurb with the, um, with the theme, that these, uh, it comes from the, the words, don't push, just use the weight of your own body. It comes from a, a particular letter that we received um, after the, the passing away of a, a very good friend of ours, one of the uh, Abayagiri lay ministers. We have a group of about a dozen people who are uh, lay ministers associated with, with our monastery. This is a fellow called, uh, called Kandanya, Barry Kapke, who's um, here in the Bay Area and was very 
involved in uh, in body work and in also he was one of the early pioneers of, of um, Buddhist websites. He founded Dharmanet back in the early 90s. So he's Mr. Dharmanet. And so he's a very quiet guy, very shy, but very active. <laughs> and he, he died of bowel cancer in um, uh, here in San Francisco in a very uh, lovely hospice. And I was with him at the end of his life and his last, his last night, uh, myself and uh, his former partner, uh, Anne-Marie and uh, Dennis Crane, uh, and I spent the, the night, his last hours with him. And when we held a, a funeral ceremony, a memorial ceremony for him, he left his body to the university. He didn't want it to go to waste. <laughs> <laughs> so he left his body to the university, but uh, we had a memorial ceremony for him up at the monastery. And a former student of his called Rachel Starbuck, um, who lives overseas now, uh, sent a very beautiful, touching letter. And I thought, I'd like to share that with you to begin the day and to introduce these, these themes, because it was she who spelled these out. I, I'd heard uh, Kandanya touch on these once in a while here and there, but it was her articulation of this in this particular letter that I, I wanted to share and also to build the, the teachings around today. So this was a, a letter to be, um, uh, to be read out at Kandanya's memorial. Kandanya was my teacher. I now live in Taiwan, so I will not be able to join you at the memorial, but I wish I could be there. I had the good fortune to study shiatsu with Barry at the San Francisco School of Massage. He really did teach body work as nothing less than a spiritual practice. He said, the heart of our work is simply to offer our presence. Don't push, just use the weight of your own body. Don't diagnose, just be aware. Don't try to help, but also don't turn away. Just be with the person. That's all you have to do. And Barry really practiced what he preached. You could see it as clear as day, watching him work. It was an amazing and beautiful thing. When I attended my first week-long silent retreat at Spirit Rock, Barry was there too. The retreat wasn't easy for me, and on the last day I felt quite overwhelmed. I couldn't stop the tears streaming down my face even when it was time for lunch. It wasn't about the food. (laughs) I remember standing in line, holding my plate, weeping and, and embarrassed to be weeping. Thoroughly miserable. I took my food to the farthest corner of the farthest table and sat down. But I was too upset to eat. Then I noticed that someone had come to sit with me. It was Kandanya, Barry. He didn't say anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't even look at me. He did exactly what he always taught us to do. He just sat there, slowly eating his lunch, being with me in my suffering, neither trying to help nor turning away. But it was so profoundly comforting to me, even now tears come just to think of it. Some years later, my sister was birthing her first child at home, and I was there to assist her. I'd taken a special class on massage for birthing mothers, but once my sister's labor had started, she couldn't stand for anyone to get near her, much less touch her. All she did was scream and scream, and there was nothing we could do. Then I remembered what Barry had showed me. I sat down next to her on the floor. I didn't say anything. I didn't look at her. I didn't touch her. I just sat there with her while she suffered through her labor pains, neither trying to help nor turning away. I don't know how long we sat together like that, 
But later, after her son was born, she told me how profoundly comforting it had been for her, how my just sitting there had somehow allowed her to relax and feel less afraid. Now Kandanya has died, but what he taught is still moving through those of us who had learned from him. Now when I see my sister quietly holding her son after a bad dream, neither trying to help nor turning away, and I then see the comfort he feels as his little body starts to settle and relax, then I see Kandanya's work alive. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to to tell this story. I truly wish I could be at the memorial service to express the deep gratitude I feel for Kandanya's presence in my life. Respectfully yours, Rachel Starbuck. So that's a wonderful, wonderful account. And uh, so it had occurred to me that there was a, a very, very fine expression of, of principles. Uh, and when we are trying to work compassionately uh, in our, our lives, in our families, in our workplace, in, our, um, uh, in the world, trying to, to, to take action. And to, uh, the, exp- the, the qualities that are expressed there I find our, um, uh, in a way, in order for our good efforts, our noble intentions to, to be actualized, for them to really bear fruit, uh, these are extraordinarily helpful qualities to, to take in. The, um, and these are, are different you know, themes that we'll, we'll look at during the day. But just to, uh, to first of all, highlight those different things that he, that, uh, he described, to, to not push but just to use the weight of your own body. So there's a, there's a leaning, there's an intentionality, but we're not pushing insofar as we're not creating a, an imagined goal, an imagined good place over there that we're, we're trying to get to, and thereby ignoring what's actually here. In order to, to work, in order to exercise effort, uh, if we, as long as we think of there's this thing in the way, there's this knot, there's this argument, there's this tension, and if only this wasn't here, then we could be in this beautiful place over there. And we create an imagined there, somewhere off in the future, and we miss what's actually here. You know how it is when you're hiking, if you're sort of off imagining, <laughs> looking at where you're going to get to, that's when you trip and sprain your ankle. <laughs> when you, we fixate on, on an imagined goal, we miss where we actually are. And so our tendency is to, to, to push, to, to press for, uh, to, to that imagined future. The... Um, as uh, he said, don't diagnose, but, uh, uh, but just be aware. So our thinking mind loves... I, I have one of these. <laughs> Those of, you know, we, can, we don't have to have a confession moment, but I probably... There's a few of us here who, who love to figure things out, to, to have a nice map, a description. This is what's going on. And, um, and, so that the, and certainly the intellect does have its place. It's really useful to be able to figure out how things work and, and the mechanics of, of our lives and our minds and the way things function. But we can be over-prone to that. We can, in a way, take refuge in having an explanation. And, I, you know, again, I confess to being a compulsive explainer. <laughs> and that, you know, having to have a, a nice, neat description of what's going on, how it works. But what we can do, again, is uh, when we're with someone or we're with a situation... The, the mind can race towards, I know what's going on, I understand this, this fits, this, you know, I read a book about this, <laughs> I did a course on this, you know, I talked about this last week, I know what's happening here. 
And we immediately go to the memory, the idea, the, the concept, and again, we miss what's actually before us, what we're actually in the middle of, what we're part of, because we've gone to the, the diagnosis and we're, we're, we're missing the actuality. Again, it's not that we don't make, like we're not pushing, it's not that we don't make effort, and we're diagnosing, it's not that we don't use uh, the, the intellect or the, the way of recognizing patterns, but it's a, a question of holding those things in perspective. And then the last one that, that she describes here, don't try to help, uh, but don't turn away. That, um, that feeling of, I want to do something. When we're in, particularly in the, in the face, in the midst of other people suffering, we can have that, I've got to do something, or, or you know, everything is telling us, don't just sit there, do something. Or if you read Sylvia's book, don't just, <laughs> don't just do something, sit there. But uh, the, um, there is a strong compulsion. I mean, she used that title because the, the compulsion is when we're in the face of difficulty that we can't just leave it alone. If, if we leave it alone, it means we don't care. We're somehow disconnecting, or we're, we're not doing our bit. But that urge to help and to do can often be coming from our own insecurity, right? Our own, or our own need to be a, a helpful person. That's our identity. Is that, you know, maybe you, there's many professional helpers here. You know, social workers, therapists, Buddhist monks. You know, <laughs> you know we're, we're, it's our trade is to be helpful. And so that, oh, I should be doing something here. Someone's coming to me and they're asking... And, that, uh, and so that what the, this is pointing to, this principle is pointing to, is the, the aspect of tryingness, the, the tryingness of, um, of a tension in our own heart and um, that is uh, oftentimes over-eager. You know, that we're, we're doing the best thing we can, but we, are, we don't realize what's actually uh, happening before us. Like I often tell a story that, that Ramdas tells about uh, when his his stepmother was was dying, and um, you know his, this was quite a number of years ago. So Ramdas, he's a meditation expert, done all his work on death and dying. He's he, you know he's, he, it's his field. You know he really knows his stuff. And so his his mother's lying there, and you know her her, her breath is is quite shallow, and she's sort of. Um, you know, drifting in and out a bit, and so Ramdas is saying, "So go to the breath, Mom. You know, feel it. Just uh, you're breathing in the universe, breathing in the light of the universe, breathing out. Let everything go. And you know, just you're just one with the tides of life. And it's, as the light arises, just go to the light, Mom. Go to the light. And just feel the breath coming and going. I'm I'm just ex- riffing on the theme, but uh, you get you get the general impression, you know. And then after some time of this, you know, Ramdas will." Uh, you know, half an hour or so, Ramdas pauses for breath, and his, his mom sort of turns, her, inclines her head to him, and says, "Ramdas, be quiet." <laughs> <laughs> and it's him who tells the story. You know? So I don't, I don't feel shy about passing that on. So that that he's trying to help, but that very tryingness of I'm the helper. I'm, a, I'm I've written books about this. You know. You know. This is my trade, so I should, I should be doing something here. And you know, it's my mom. You know, she's dying, and so I've got to help. And, and yes, there's a need, and yes, there's there's things that we can do. But that very urge, that that uh, ag- agitated tension that wants to jump in and do something, can can be the very element that gets in the way. 
when um, uh, when we talk about say uh, not trying to help or, or not trying to fix, not trying to diagnose, it can come across as uh, like a, a um, an indifference, or and I'm not trying to encourage a, a quality of dissociation or like all co- you know. What's the problem, Mom? All, all things are impermanent. Yeah. <laughs> Everything arises and passes away. Get over it. You know, it's not it's not that kind of a cold distancing or trying to just alienate yourself um, from from the feeling of of others suffering. You're not just saying it's just um, you know it's just insignificant. It's just um, a, uh, trying to uh, adopt some kind of false objectivity. Now, I'm not trying to encourage that, but hopefully during the day we'll get a sense for how we can find that place that is both fully empathetic with the suffering of others and the difficulties that we experience, but also not suffering on account of it. Because the, the, in, in Buddhist psychology, compassion, karuna, is not a state of suffering. And the, the, the Buddha points out that if you're suffering on account of the suffering of others, that's not true compassion. You're, you're, that's that's a, 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 a distorted or a false kind of, of compassion that's not really complete or not really purified. It's not, it's not whole. But it, right there in, the, in our English word for it, compassion literally means to suffer with. Like the passio, passio means to suffer, means suffering. Like the passion of Christ is not Jesus getting excited. It's, it's the suffering of, of, uh, of Christ on the, the way to the cross and so on. And the com means with. So to, it the English word literally means to suffer with. But the Buddhist principle is talking about something else. It's fully attentive and open to the, the, the pain uh, of others, but not suffering on account of that. Now, culturally, that's really hard for us to find. I think people would agree. <laughs> like, uh, well, either you're, you turn away or you're indifferent or you shut yourself down or... Uh, you know, somebody's crying and they're upset. You you feel upset for them. You you know, you're, you're supposed to get involved, and it's it's also one of the things that's it's interesting with uh, the way people have been relating to uh, Mr. Obama not getting angry about the the oil spill. That he he won't get he won't get uh, full of blame and and start uh, yelling. And he said, "You should get angry. You should be upset. You should." You should get. You should. You should show that you care, and it's really interesting that that showing that you care is supposed to be demonstrated by, by getting angry, by getting woven into the, the the same feelings that other people are reacting with. Whereas, uh, uh, to me, I mean, I'm not a political political commentator, <laughs> but and I, I'm sure this is a superficial view. But it seems to be what he's putting, putting more attention on is trying to do the right things that actually solve the problem, mm. rather than than demonstrating. Uh, you know, a, uh, a reactivity just to please the please the crowds. So similarly, when we are, uh, and I would say he's not a cold man. He's not he's not shut down at all. He's he's aware of what's going on, but he's just not getting drawn into the emotional reactivity. He's not swept up in that feeling. That's my reading. Anyway. So similarly, when we're in the face of suffering of others, or even even it can be our own suffering our own feelings of grief, there can, there's a place in our heart that we can find that is both fully attentive and, and uh, appreciative of that pain, but not swept up in a, in a reaction against it or, or carried along by the, the current of it, that knows it fully but is not suffering on account of that. So hopefully during the course of the day we can explore that and uh, 
see if we can find that that place. I uh, I, I would I would like to guarantee that <laughs> that you'll find it, but I, but I can certainly guarantee that it's there, and, and hopefully we'll we'll look at it and find ways and means of of uh, drawing upon that. Now, one of the um, the other aspects of, of compassion that I like to, to stress, and uh, we have um, this figure here on my right. This is a, a figure of Guan Yin Bodhisattva. This is the um, in the Northern Buddhist tradition, Guan Guan Yin or Guan Shi Yin, as the, the full name, is the Chinese name for for this uh, um, spiritual entity, the Bodhisattva, one, a being who is committed to full enlightenment. And the name Guan Shi Yin in Chinese or Kanon in Japanese, uh, Avalokiteshvara in Sanskrit, literally means the one who listens to the sounds of the world. That's a very, to me, that's an extremely significant name for some uh, a being who's the embodiment of compassion, because it doesn't mean that she's out there doing stuff. It's a sort of primary uh, primary role of uh, of compassion. The the uh, primordial or the, the primary attribute is not getting out there and doing, uh, but um, but the primary attribute is listening. And this other image here, this is a, a Tibetan um, tanka of the same the same being. And t- in Tibetan, um, Guan Yin is called Chenrezig. And there you have uh, the the uh, the the figure has a thousand hands and each hand has an eye in it so a thousand hands and a thousand, a thousand eyes so this kind of imagery represents more the doingness <laughs> but the name is the same the name is still the one who listens to the sounds of the world so another of the aspects of compassion that I'd like to look at uh, today and where you can find the root of this quality of of, em- uh, sort of empathetic engagement is through the practice of listening learning to listen uh, and in particular, learning to listen to our own thoughts and feelings, that because uh, we often associate compassion with uh, an emotional, uh, like a strong emotion, or we associate it with being in the presence of, of um, the suffering of, of other beings. You know, like this this terrible tragedy that we have in the in the Gulf of the oil spill is is destroying the lives of, of you know, countless beings. Uh, is a is a terrible tragedy. Um, but the, in terms of working with, with that or with, with you know, smaller or more local uh, difficulties and, and sufferings in our life, the, it's the, the primary quality of, uh, of compassion, the root of compassion, I would suggest, is in learning how to listen, to attend to what is here, to what is present. And then from that attending, then as a capacity arises to, to do the right thing. So from that root of listening, then the thousand hands and the thousand eyes that are watching what's going on and, and then can lend a hand. You know, Guan Yin has a lot of hands to, <laughs> to lend. You know. But that, that uh, multiplicity of, of hands is, is representing that, you know, the, the thousands of ways, the 10,000 fingers that can, can help. But uh, it comes from the root of, of listening. So when we talk about this, what we're learning to do is to listen to our own thoughts, listen to our own feelings, listen to our own body, and to um, learn to discern the different voices that we hear, or what uh, some people uh, think very, very helpfully refer, refer to as the inner committee. 
So that uh, this is probably familiar to a number of you, even if you hadn't called it that. <laughs> we know these guys. <laughs> that the the voices of reason, the voices of of um, uh, of kindness, the voices of the the three-year-old in a tantrum. Yeah, that they're all in there. The the rationalist, the 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 sensitive one, the the uh, excited child, the the uh, the fretful the fretful child, the uh, the depressed and unhappy, the the um, ever cheerful, and the voices also of of uh, unbiased kindness and, and uh, unbiased wisdom. They're all in there. And so that in the in the meditation practices I hope to look at today, that to um, we'll explore some of that. Just learning to listen to the 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 different um, feelings, energies, different thoughts uh, within the mind, and learn to to discern, to not just react to uh, you know the, the the things that we we feel and hear, but to find that place of listening, and then through that, then letting wisdom be the the chair of the committee. <laughs> That the, the, the you know if you have ever chaired any or been part of any meetings, uh, committee meetings, there are probably a few of us have sat in on various kinds of meetings. It's important that all the voices are allowed to be heard. There's a respectful quality that all the voices are allowed to be heard. But when you have a a, 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 a flailing three-year-old saying <laughs> saying I want more ice cream, then you don't necessarily give the vote. You know, or say, okay, let, let's do what uh, what that what that voice wants, or the um, the kind of high-minded intellectual. Well, I think what's happening here is, you know, if you ask me, <laughs> say, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> Just like the three-year-old who wants more ice cream, you know, the the, the plummy intellectual who's, who thinks they they understand everything. I say, okay, well, thank you for sharing too, <laughs> and then letting finding the way that we can let wisdom. Uh, be that that uh, that uh, in a way the 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 meeting point for those different voices, those different feelings and moods. Uh, and the last of the, the themes I thought I'd just introduce um, to uh, uh, to to begin the day, and that we'll we'll look at um, during the this time together, is how. We, we often feel like we've got to do something. I've got to do something to make it right. And so many of these, the, these themes that the Kundanya outlined about don't diagnose, just be aware, don't try to help, don't turn away, then you can be left with this, this feeling of, but what am I supposed to do? You know, I, I either get in there and do something or I just leave it alone. But that doesn't feel right. So what I like to, to suggest is that... Um, Oftentimes, the, the most appropriate action happens when, when I get out of the way, or you get out of the way. <laughs> that it's the, the me trying, me doing, the, the meanness and the, the tryingness. That's the, the obstructive element. And that, uh, in a sense, this is a self-adjusting universe. That this is a, a, a um, that there is a, a, a trust that we can develop in that if, if we let the self-centered perspective be dropped, and that we let uh, that there be a quality of awareness or wisdom, an acute attentiveness to to the present, then the the universe will adjust itself. That might sound a bit woolly. <laughs> Does it sound woolly? <laughs> Very 
speak, can speak freely. Very Californian. See, oh, have you, you've ruined me. I would never have said such things 15 years ago. But what, what this means is that, that, uh, that, that we have a, there's a quality of intuitive wisdom that recognizes when things are in balance or not in balance. That's our, 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 in a way, our, our musical ear for the way things are, for the, uh, the harmonious or disharmonious quality of things. Now, you might think, well, I'm tone deaf, so I might as well leave now. <laughs> but I would suggest that on, the, on that spiritual level, none of us are tone deaf. And you wouldn't have come here to spend your Sunday at Spirit Rock if, the, if you were totally tone deaf. So what this means is that, that when, when we are noticing some kind of difficulty or some kind of imbalance, some sort of distortion, some discord uh, within others or within ourselves, that if we just bring the quality of awareness to bear on that, and so the effort is to be aware, then things will adjust on their own. Now, I'll do, I'll do a little demonstration. It's probably some of you have seen me do this before. But, uh, so this is a little demo. This is like a kind of show and tell. So, um, so just to give an example, say by, by using the, the physical body and the, the, uh, the, the feeling of the body being out of balance. So what I, I'm going to do is uh, I'll just uh, so adopt a, you know, a slumped and uncomfortable posture. And what I'm going to do is, uh, is just to simply bring awareness to that feeling in the body, and then I'll let the body adjust itself. So I, quote, <laughs> won't do anything. Now you can think, well, this is all a fraud. Ajahn Amro's really lost it. It's a good job he's going to England. <laughs> but but it's, uh, I, I find this is a good way of, of uh, showing how this principle works. Because actually all of us know this. We've all seen this happening in different ways in our lives. When you just leave things alone, then they, they work it out. But um, so anyway, I shall do a, so. Watch closely, <laughs> and I'll I'll do the best to uh, to let you see how this works. So okay. So just as if you're like thirty five minutes into a long hot afternoon sit. <laughs> okay. So I'm not going to do anything. I didn't, uh, quite honestly, I'm a, I'm a monk, I cannot lie. I cannot lie. I'm not allowed to deliberately defraud. So all, all the, the sole effort I was making was to bring attention to the feeling of the body. And then the body just adjusts itself to a balanced posture. So just apply that to the whole of the rest of your life. <laughs> so I'm, 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 not, I'm not entirely kidding. That's... It's learning to bring awareness and then to not let me be the thing that has to grab the reins. Me, I'm chairing, I'm in charge of this committee. You know, I'm running things, I'm running this life. You know, I'm in charge here. If we just recognize that 
I, me, my feeling, and we just and just loosen the grip on that and say, well, thank you for sharing. <laughs> There's your seat, dear. You know? And then just let that vo- have its voice, but then instead have that, let that quality of awareness itself be the, the guiding principle, the defining principle. Then our actions <laughs> find a, a quality of balance. That makes sense? Okay, so we'll try and um, look at that a bit more during during the, the course of the day. So um, I'll finish the opening piece there. So if uh, people want to just stretch your legs for a moment, maybe we can have a window or two open so we can breathe. Mm.